This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the Out of the Box draft is a meme athletes draft. Question and answer gets into Arch Manning and John Morant, and the MLB gives a lockout update. This week in sports covers the NFL coaching news, as well as the picks for the first round of the NFL playoffs. January 14th edition of the show. Dylan Jesperson here. Joining me, as always, is our main man, Dylan Holtz. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, uh, I'm excited to talk about all, all the things that have been happening in the world of sports. There's been a lot of stuff happening. Obviously, this week we had the College Football National Championship. And last week we talked about, we we're like, neither one of us could really get excited for it. It ended up being like after three bo- boring quarters of football. There's a pretty good finish. And we got Georgia won the national championship, which was kind of exciting, I guess. It was kind of a lose-lose situation as a Tennessee fan. I didn't want to see Georgia win. I didn't want to see Alabama win another one. But it's a cool story with Stetson Bennett getting going from walk-on to Juco to winning the national championship, bringing it home to Georgia. First one in 42 years, whatever it is. Long, long time. Much longer than it took Tennessee back in 98. I mean, I'm not going to rub that in. But, you know, uh, Georgia fans, you've had you've had a good year, so I'll throw some shade your way. Um, but yeah, just excited to talk all the, all the, uh, fun things in the world of sports. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. One of the themes of the Dylan and Dylan show early on was nothing really goes right for Georgia fans and Atlanta fans. And since then the Braves have won the world series and now Georgia wins their first national championship since 81. So things are starting to go right in, in Georgia and hopefully it can, uh, swing our neck of the woods, uh, in these next coming years. Uh, that would be great, but excited to get into the show as well. Reminder to follow tunnel vision sports on all anywhere you get podcasts. We will be there. We will be there entertaining you with a ton of new content. You should be seeing that NFL roundtable up yesterday if you're listening to this today. And we're getting more roundtables coming your way very soon. So stay tuned to everywhere you get podcasts. We are getting started with our out-of-the-box draft today, inspired by a trade that was rescinded today. Uh, Unfortunately for me and my friends and my Fellow fans of the Detroit Pistons, is Bull Bull was supposed to go to the Pistons, uh, but went, is now going back to Denver after he failed his physical here in Detroit. Uh, but Bull Bull, one of the best meme athletes, one of the best internet athletes of all time, and that is the reason we are going with this draft. The best meme athletes of all time. Guys, for one reason or another, have captured the hearts of the internet and have become a member of a truly special list. Dylan has the coin. He's ready to go to get our order set for us. I'm going back to heads. I'm going back to heads. All right. That's tails. I I think just flip the coin is just a curse against me. I don't even know what to say about that one. That's tails. Um, I'll take second and third. Okay. 
So with my first pick, I had to do, I had to get some help from some of my friends for this one. Cause my, my mind went blank after bull bull at first, but after once the name started flowing, they really started flowing, but I think one tops the list for me, it's a little bit biased, but it, it counts on every person's list. If they know who I'm talking about, I'm talking Boban Marjanovic. He is the biggest meme physically and spiritually the biggest meme in terms of sports right now uh when you've got a guy that big i think he always that's always something nba fans look at it's like oh he's the tallest guy in the nba right now he oh that person has always been a meme whether, whether it be yao ming or manute bowl back in the day uh but boban and his personality and especially his friendship with T- tobias harris has made him into just the special type of athlete that I don't think there's one person that can say a negative thing about Boban Marjanovic. Uh, if you are a hater of Boban, I, you, you're not my friend. That's just the, as simple as it is. He's the, the purest soul in the NBA. And from a guy that's like seven, six and looks like he could be like a, a giant in a movie. Uh, I, he's the perfect. He is in a movie. He's in John Wick. Perfect. Perfect. Didn't even, didn't even know that. And I, now I, I'm going to have to go see John Wick now. So, but, but Boban is exemplifies what this list is as a meme athlete. And I'm happy to have him as my first pick. I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. Is he a former Piston? I know Tobias is. Yeah. They met in Detroit. That's where their okay. friendship started. All right. That's what I thought, but I wasn't positive. Okay. Yeah. I like that pick a lot. I didn't have Bobby on my list, but again, like you said, we had Bo Bo and then my mind kind of went blank and I was like, Hey, friends i have many of you who are these meme athletes and names are flowing i was like oh yeah there's so many and they start more and more but yeah uh going after bobby i'm gonna go with also sort of a bias pick close to the close to the heart gotta go with campaign uh right now phoenix sun point guard the the meme kind of started off in a sad note i guess kind of a good note it started in oklahoma city with the dancing with russ kind of went viral doing that for a while as a rookie and second year guy and then they get to Chicago, and his career kind of took a different turn. Uh, Chicago fans, that huge market that is Chicago, expected a lot out of Cam, and Cam kind of struggled there. He became the tank commander, which they kind of rode with Cam. He was like, "They're gonna, he's gonna lead us to top picks." The Bulls had lottery picks; they never really were at that far up uh, in the draft. But Cam, Cam fulfilled that service, and then now in Phoenix, it's been join the campaign. They, I mean, it's amazing seeing Suns uh, social media, how much they just love him. Cause he's, he came back in the league after, I think he was in China for a year. Uh, he was overseas for a year, came back and he's just thrived since uh, being with the Suns, Monty Williams and the crew just taking over backup point guard, uh, the role and the fan base loves him. Obviously, me being a part of the having a touch on the Murray State pulse of the internet. Obviously, we love seeing all the all the meme ability of campaign. It's great to see. So I had to get uh, my campaign pick in there. Uh, and then joining campaign, I'm going to take, which I did not even think of this person until we started. And I was now thinking about it. I'm like, I have to take him. It's Trace McSwirly from Penn State slash the Baltimore Ravens. He took over the internet last year on TikTok with that stupid song, that as soon as I thought of his name, I was like, all right, the song's stuck in my head now. I think it was every like 12-year-old in America made a Trace McSwirly TikTok. And I don't think – I think my brother – like I, I talk about my one of my 13-year-old brothers. I don't think they can name like any pro athletes. He for sure can name Trace McSwirly because of TikTok. And Trace McSwirly I, has maybe took like three snaps in the NFL. Very, very good quarterback at Penn State. But like 
I, it's crazy that he's like that notable and he's like he's a good college player but I mean he'll never see snaps over Lamar or Tyler Huntley in Baltimore and yet he's just beloved by everyone because a, a song went viral on TikTok and that meme just he, it's gonna carry him on in inf- infamacy for forever probably but yeah I, I had to go Trace McFarley and had to go with my fellow Murray State Racer campaign I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I love both of those picks and that Trace McSorley pick just triggered something in my head too. And now I'm going to have to go off, off my beaten path. I got to go with Mo Bamba. I mean, Mo Bamba is one of the perfect picks for this because I I think obviously he has the talent. He's an NBA player and he was an NBA player when the song was made by him, but about him. But I think everyone knows Mo Bamba because of the song. And now he has become what he has become because of everything around him. And that's just perfect to fit in with this list is a a guy that has all the talent, but the internet just gets behind him and makes him more than what he is. That's Mo Bamba in a nutshell because of, uh, because of that song and how popular it got. So I got to get Mo Bamba on the list um, to piggyback off of that Trace McSorley pick Uh, with my next pick. This is a little bit of a bias pick and it might not make sense to a lot of people. I'm going with Mike Glennon. And Mike Glennon is hilarious to me. Just it's just so purely looking at him, he does not look like an NFL quarterback. There's a few guys that have done that, but I think Mike Glennon purely looks like a four-year-old dad somehow made his way onto the New York Giants. But if you're on TikTok, if you see this random New York Giants fan that goes to every New York Giants game, uh, he gets to the games before every game, and he has this signature song from Mike Glennon. Uh, it's so funny and I will make sure that on all of our social media it's up there it's it has been the meme of my NFL season is the Mike Glennon walk up and it's so funny I can't even describe it I can't describe it I'll just have to make sure that video gets everywhere because Mike Glennon is freaking hilarious to me because of it so uh, uh happy to have Mo Bamba and Mike Glennon on my list I'll throw it to you for your last two picks um, for my last two picks, uh, first I'm gonna go, which literally again has just came in my mind, and I like how this draft's gone because it's like triggering things. Uh, I'm gonna go with football again. I'm going with Bart Scott because I feel like there's a lot of people probably now, like especially younger people, that have no idea who Bart Scott was, and he was a good football player, but like he is going to live on forever because of that video slash gif of him yelling, "Can't wait." after I think it was an AFC divisional game when the Jets were going to the championship. Like I, I literally in live time went to Twitter and went to gifts and I typed in can't wait. Cause I was like, I want to test my hypothesis and Bart Scott's there like seven times. It's the same video. So I Bart Scott, I mean literally like an early sports athlete meme and Bart Scott's like the goat of it. And then my last pick, I have to go bias and he's more of a meme just in my friend group, but I, I I just have to mention it because he's become such a meme within my friend group, and it's Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. When Ja got drafted to the Grizzlies, none of us knew really anything about the Grizzlies. We knew they weren't very good, obviously. They had the second pick in the draft, and we started to watch games, and Dylan Brooks, if you don't watch the Grizzlies, I don't think people realize how Dylan Brooks carries himself. Because Dylan Brooks believes he is the best player in the NBA, which is awesome. But the first year Ja was in Memphis, Dylan Brooks struggled. And he had his worst year of his NBA career that year, which is unfortunate because it was our first impression. And 
I kid you not, for 82 games, we would put in the group message, it's Dylan Brooks time in quotes. And the person saying it was Dylan Brooks because he is the only person that thought it was Dylan Brooks time because it, it was tough sledding for old Dylan. And, uh, and it's just evolved into Dylan really turning into a really, really solid uh, player alongside Jaw. He's taken over that three position aside Desmond Bain and John, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and really steps up and defends the best player on opposing teams, which is insane after that first year of watching him. And he's like stepping up and guarding LeBron and doing well, guarding Steph and doing well. It's like, what in the world? This guy is supposed to be the guy that's just like, I'm better than you. And I'm going to, I'm going to do all this crazy stuff and miss a million shots, but it's, Hey, it's Dylan Brooks time. And I'm fine with that. Uh, so yeah, gotta go Dylan Brooks and then Bart Scott. Can't wait. Uh, I'll throw it back to you. I love that, those picks. Uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, Michigan played Oregon back when Dylan Brooks was still there, and I remember he still had that same mentality, and he fits in the, in the fact that he is the meme of every basketball player basketball player you've ever met that has more confidence than his skill can back up. It's always been that way since he was at Oregon, and I'm sure it was since he was a little kid. He thinks he can hit every shot on the court and and it helps him in some regards because he has the confidence to shoot some really tough shots. It hurts him in a lot of other regards because he looks really ugly, missing some really, really bad shots. So love those picks with my final pick. I'm going with John Scott. I know he's not on your board, but uh, he is an NHL player. And I remembered this, this was one of the few guys that clicked into my mind without having to ask. He was an NHL player back, I I can't, 2016, I want to say, when this happened. Uh, Just a random, random NHL player, not not a star in any regards. Uh, But the internet took a hold and decided he was going to make the All-Star game that year. And and he was the leading vote getter in the NHL All-Star game. More of just a meme of just like, show the NHL, hey, the, the fan voting is kind of a broken system and we'll show you why, because John Scott can give you the later, uh, the, the guy that makes it. Uh, the NHL wasn't happy, tried to make sure that he wasn't going to make the all-star game. I think he ended up getting traded and they were like, Oh, he can't make it for this team. He ended up going and being a captain for the, for uh, the all-star team that year. Uh, and it was the story of the NHL all-star game and not many t- there's not many stories that I can remember surrounding the NHL All-Star game for years and years and years. So the fact that John Scott and the internet made the, a story in 2016 uh, is more than enough to have him on my list. Happy to have him uh, joining Mike Glennon, Boban Marjanovic, and Mo Bamba. Uh, did you have any alternates that didn't make your list, Dylan? Of course, I have a very long list. I'm just going to say them really quick. Obviously, Bobo, uh, J.R. Smith, Nick Young, uh, Michael Jordan, I mean, the Jordan crying face, uh, that's iconic. Uh, Eli Manning, Chris Bosh, Mark Sanchez, Richard Sherman, Brian Scalabrini, and good old smoking J.J. Cutler. Uh, I think that's it. Those are the ones I wrote down. Again, some of the guys I picked, I did not write down. Like Trace McFarlane and Bart Scott, those just came to mind. Uh, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, love all of those. Love all of those for sure. I got Alex Caruso, Taysom Hill, uh, Tim Tebow, uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's a wrestler. Uh, this was my favorite from my friends. I have to give him a shout out. Muinori Kawasaki. Uh, you know, I am Japanese. You know, that guy. Uh, and then Shaq. Uh, Shaq is probably one, but he, too easy if you're going to go with Shaq on that one. But love that draft. Love that idea. I love the uh, out of the box type of out of the box ideas. So we will move on to the question and answer 
uh, segment, I will get right into my question. I sent you a screenshot this week, and I have to give the audience a bit of background. I took a screenshot of this tweet because it absolutely took my breath away, and I needed to share it with someone. Uh, And then once that initial shock wore off, I assessed kind of my unhealthy reaction to what I had just done. Uh, And and that's when I formulated my question. Uh, The tweet was news that Michigan had offered current Isidore Newman quarterback, Arch Manning, member of the Manning football family, number one player in the 2023 class. Many of you know all this because we have known Arch Manning since before he took a snap in high school. And now it's his year in the recruiting spotlight. My question is, have we built up Arch Manning too much? Is he really going to be this once-in-a-generation type talent that we think he is, or is he a very good quarterback with a lot of p- potential but also has the Manning name, so we've kind of given him this bigger-than-life stature? I want to get your take because you have a, a personal ta- a personal connection to the Manning family. Oh, yeah, I love the Manning so much. And I obviously, like, as soon as I heard Arch was in high school, I was like, yeah, I want him in a Tennessee volunteer uniform. Peyton, Uncle Peyton, do something. Like, I don't know what how much money you have to donate. I, I don't know what you have to do. Get him in orange and white, like, do something. And I, I remember, like, high school game. Like, it's crazy because, like, we see these things. Now. Like, we, we're seeing LeBron James Jr. in high school. And Arch Manning's literally they're the same. Which is insane. Um, but I remember Arch's first high school game, and he's making throws. And it's like, oh, my God. He, he really is a Manning like th- this kid's he's got he's got it but I I think we're a thousand percent putting too much pressure on him but the thing is if anyone can deal with it it's got to be it's Arch Manning's got tools in front of him to be able to deal with it I mean he's got Eli and Peyton Manning as uncles he's got Archie as his grandfather I mean Cooper he got hurt and it didn't work out but he was a top level athlete he was that Ole Miss play receiver he probably would have been a pro if he stays healthy I mean you never know there there's what if um, his family's going to be there for him? I mean, it, it seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. I You have to imagine the pressure you're going to get to him, though. It, I think it all depends on where he ends up, too. If if, if I was Arch, I would I would get away from the South. I, I don't think I would try to stay where everyone's expecting me to go. Like, from what, what you see on, like, the crystal balls and everything, it seems like he's going to be at Ole Miss. He's going to be at LSU somewhere like that. Or Alabama or Clemson, one of the, these big names. I I don't think I would fall in line with that. I mean, I don't know what the kid thinks. He seems like he's a traditional Manning that's probably going to end up playing ball in the SEC. But I that's going to be so much pressure because those boosters, those people on campus, they're going to expect him to walk in as an 18-year-old, become the starting quarterback, and take over. And that's a lot for anyone. And obviously Peyton did it at Tennessee. Eli did great things at Ole Miss. But, I mean, that's a lot to ask out of a kid. And he's doing it in an era – where you have social media, you've got the NIL where he's going to be make he'll be a millionaire when he walks on a college campus. It's a lot of pressure and it's going to be pressure that literally like no one's ever felt before. Like Bryce Young sort of felt it, but he's not a Manning. I mean, Bronny, uh, Bronny's probably the only other person that can relate to it. So maybe they should like become best friends and both go to Tennessee. But I mean, that's, uh, that, that's a conversation they can have, but I, I think, He's definitely prepared to deal with the pressure, but it's going to be something that's completely unique that's never happened before to anyone in the history of college football, college basketball, anything, because it's it's a whole new ball game now. And I, yeah, it's it's a whole lot for uh, Arch, especially with the NIL stuff wrapped in. Uh, what do you think about the whole situation with the youngest Manning? 
Yeah, I think you hit all of the notes that I'm going to hit. I mean, I have no doubt that he's going to be among the elite college football quarterbacks when go on to be a very capable pro quarterback. I'm confident enough in his skills to say all of that right now. He's that good. But I think we need to, you know, stop crowning these literal children uh, as the future of their sport before they get to a reasonable age. Uh, I think, you know, Quinn Ewers is kind of in the same realm. And I think Zion is, you know, the, the most recent, you know, big example. And I think Zion is a good example of where it can go wrong because I think many of us were like, you know, Zion, there's nothing that can stand in his way. And I'm not saying Zion's career is over or anything like that, but none of us could have predicted the amount of injuries that were going to stand in Zion's way. And that's just the problem. There's so many variables that are in the future of Arch Manning that we don't know how he's going to react to a lot of these things. And he's, he's a child. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to come his way that I don't even think a lot of adults would handle well. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how he, he handles it. Like you said, he's got, do I think he's got the best support system of anyone to do that thing? Yeah, I think he's going to be in front of the best coaches and given all the opportunities that uh, a guy like that uh, is going to need. But I just think you can't project some of the things that uh, are going to possibly get in the way of someone like that. And I, like you said, you know, maybe he just goes and, and picks the wrong college and and that just ends up being something he can't overcome. Maybe, you know, in four or five years, the professional style quarterback is not just, you know, an aging style, but a dead style of quarterback that scrambling quarterbacks are the way you have to go. And his style, there's so many variables. I don't think those things are going to happen, but you don't know. And then you shouldn't uh, put all this pressure on a kid like Arch, who, you know, he's a, he's a going into his senior year of high school and, and he's lived in the hardest time to go and high go through high school football. I mean, he's gone through two COVID years, going to be a, probably a third now with the way everything's going. So uh, we are going through a very weird, challenging time. It's not the time to crown a junior in high school as the future of football. So uh, I think we should slow down, take it. Do I, am I rooting for him to take that scholarship and go to Michigan? Of course I am. I think he's going to be a great quarterback, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, put all the pressure on him and say he has to do that, or he's gonna, if he does that, he has to be the greatest quarterback. And he, he needs to be Arch Manning. And I, and I'm, I'm, uh, rooting for his story to play out the way it should play out because, you, like you said, I mean, you don't even, Cooper could have been a great player. You don't know what's gonna be in front of a player like that. Um, when it all comes down to it. So let's let his career play out before we start, you know, handing the crown over, uh, you know, it, it very rarely works out. You know, LeBron is the only guy that really like was crowned from high school and, and ended up working out. It, it, yeah. No joke. And I, I think you made a really good point. He's a kid. And there was, I think maybe a couple months ago, and it hasn't been long ago at all. There was a TikTok that I wouldn't say went viral, but it kind of went viral in the sports world where Arch is like laying down on a couch and a girl asked him, was like, what about Ole Miss? And he's like, hotty toddy. And Ole Miss fans freaked out. They're like, he's going to Ole Miss. It's like, dog, he's 17 years old. He's going to say whatever he can to like make the girl be happy. Like, obviously like it's people just aren't realizing like he's a kid. Like they, people need to calm down. That's, that's why a lot of college recruitment is it's, it's a weird business. It really is. Cause it's, it's these old men just being like, I need this 15 year old to commit to 
Alabama, he's going to bring us four championships and change the culture. It, it's it's a weird, funky business, and there's there's a fine line of attention that these guys need, and it could go over that line really quick. And I feel like Arch, the attention he's got is way over it because Arch does not even have social media. I think he has a private Instagram account, and the amount of clout that he has is absurd because he doesn't even like ask for it. It's just because of that last name and how good he is at football. But yeah, I, I, I think that point you made about him being, he's literally just a kid is something that people need to remember. Yeah. And it goes quickly. You, you, you brought up a great point too. Like it, it, you watch and we've both been fans of blue blood college football programs our entire lives. You, we, you watch the recruiting process and how flip, how quickly these, these big fans flip on these literal children as soon as they get on campus and start making plays for them. Uh, JJ McCarthy felt it really bad this year. It went from a five-star quarterback, the quarterback of IMG Academy, like the biggest football school was the most beloved recruit in, in Michigan football. All of a sudden fumbles against Michigan state in a game he probably shouldn't be in. And all of a sudden the internet just hated him. Uh, the Michigan football internet just absolutely despised him for a few hours. And it's like, come on guys, these are kids. Like, let's, let's be rational about this. Uh, and, and maybe if we can like curb the like absolute, like awe that we have for some of these kids as high school recruits, we can curb kind of like the reaction to some of these plays uh, in college because it gets overboarded sometimes, but uh, I'll throw it to you for your question. Cause I'm excited to get into it as well. So for my question, I wanted to avoid this. I wanted to wait, but I just couldn't. I, I we had the Morant minute last week. I was like, all right, we got some John ja Morant talk out. Like that's cool. Ja went from that that last streak he had, where we talked about last week, where he was playing so good. And I feel like he turned it up a notch. Honestly, he had that block Sunday night that just tore apart the internet, went crazy viral against the Lakers, and then uh, it was Tuesday night against the Warriors. They they beat the Warriors. Ja had twenty eight eight and six, I believe. And now we sit here and I, I text you after the game and I was like, my, my question, I, I know what it is now. It's is Ja a legit MVP contender? Because obviously I'm biased and everyone knows what I'm going to say, but I want to hear someone that's not in like my Twitter timeline on a Grizzly game night is literally just Ja Morant. It's all I see. So I like, that's all I like. I fall. I trust me. I follow other things. I, I, I like all sports, but uh, that's all I see is Ja Morant. So I, I obviously think he is, but I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. I, and he's definitely in the conversation and, and that's part of the game in the NBA MVP is just entering your name into the conversation. Uh, at this point, he'll probably get votes at the end of the year, just because he entered his name in the conversation at some point in the season. There's not many people that do that. So uh, I think, He's definitely there within the, the top five realm. Right now, I looked before we started. He's got the fifth best odds, according to Vegas Insider, behind Steph, Katie, Giannis, and Jokic. And I think when I was I was trying to make the case for Jan, Ja, and I think the, the biggest, the easiest case is he is the one, you know, doing the most for his team when you look at the standings without with the least amount of help. Uh, you know, Steph is getting clay back, and he's obviously got – a very good roster with, you know, Kaminga's playing really well. Obviously, Draymond's still a star. Uh, Jokic, you know, the Nuggets are are below the the uh, the Grizzlies in the standings right now, and they're getting Jamal Murray back pretty quickly. And and they've had some guys that have played really well too. Uh, and obviously, KD 
he, he's got Harden, he's gotten Kyrie back at part-time. And even Giannis is two and three are better than uh, Jaws two and three. So I think when you look at it and just from that perspective, Ja is doing the best among the MVP candidates uh, and doing the most for his team among the, the MVP candidates. So I think you can make the case that he should be the front runner. Uh, but obviously I think Steph has done so much this year that he's kind of commanded that conversation. So uh, it's going to take something in the second half of the season for him to kind of dismount Steph from that top pedestal, because I think Steph has just cemented himself so heavily in that number one spot right now. Uh, But I think outside of what Steph has done, there really hasn't been a clear number two. I think KD, uh, Giannis and Jokic have all moved throughout that. I think you can put John that in that, moving you know number two through number five as well I think uh it's Steph and everyone else and I think Ja is among that everyone else category right now which is a great place to be before the all-star break in terms of the MVP conversation yeah I I think I'm right there with you I I think where it's going to come down to is how this streak ends where they're on this 10 game winning streak that's still going they play the Timberwolves. If you're listening to this, they played last night. Streak might be over. The Timberwolves have a talented team. They're not all that good, but I mean, they've got talent all over the floor. Um, but if this streak, who knows? They could. I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals won 17 games earlier this year. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies have the Dylan Holt magic on them, but they might. I mean, they might be going on a legendary streak here. I mean, obviously, Jaws leading them, and I, I being tapped into all the stuff that's going on around Memphis. This streak started right after Grizzlies fans questioned Ja and said, are the Grizzlies better without him? Clearly not. Ja, I mean, has legit looked like, if if not the best player in the league, a top three player in the league over this stretch. I mean, uh, Rob Perez said it best. Every night Ja Morant plays basketball, it's must-watch. And it is. There's LeBron James is in the NBA right now. He's not must-watch right now. It's Ja Morant. And that's insane to say. I it's it's something that I did not expect. I mean, John's been must watch for me since he was a freshman at Murray State, but I didn't expect it to have this national spotlight. Like I remember it was last year for I can't remember what stretch of games it was. It might have been the play in. Um, they used Jaw in the commercial. And I was like, wow, they're they're really trying to market Jaws this young superstar. And I was like, that's really, really cool. But like for me, I, I hear all the noise because I've got these specific people that I follow and they're tapped into Jaw. But seeing the national people talk about it, like yesterday on first take, they were saying, who would you rather have for your franchise? Jaw Morant or Giannis Antetokounmpo, the finals MVP. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is real. And Jaw's just getting there. I mean, he's 23 years old or 22, excuse me. I He's got so much potential. I... I don't think this is the year. I, it might be. I mean, I don't know. He keeps getting better. If they just keep winning, if they, if the Grizzlies win the win the West, if they get the one seed, I think he has a really, really good shot because the Warriors should should win the West. They, they, I think they're, they're the best team. If the Grizzlies can climb those standings, I mean, they're, they're the three seed right now, three and a half games out. If Jock keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to have a real argument with Steph, especially with the Grizzlies being the only team that's really had success against the Warriors this year. I think they're two and one right now that I I think that speaks really highly just as like the, if you're talking the two main MVP, if they're, if they're the guys at the end of the season, Steph and Ja and Ja's team is having more success that I think that's a pretty critical thing. I mean, wins matter and Ja's had success against Steph and it's goes back over several seasons. I don't know. I, I I think it's be interesting and it might not be Ja's time now, but I think it shows 
that John might be a legit MVP contender as time goes on. And this, this might not be the MVP season, but it might be the all NBA season. And that, that's a big step for a young player that that'll get him $200 million this off season. And that's huge. I, I I'm excited to see how it all pans out. I really hope he gets that all NBA spot because he deserves it. If it stopped right, if the NBA, if the season ended right now, I think it would be Stephen Jaw as the guard spots. And I mean that that gets him two hundred million dollars and eight more years in Memphis, and that's what he deserves. And I, I and if MVP is added onto it, awesome. If not, it'll just add more disrespect for Jaw to fuel off of, and we'll just get to see more awesome stuff. So I'm kind of in the boat of maybe don't win it this year and we'll get to see just more jaw going out there and being like getting to play against the haters. But yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it could go either way. I, I, I think he's, he might really play himself even into it more than he has already. Yeah. I think the, while we were just sitting here, I was thinking more and more about it. And I, I'm thinking like narrative wise, how do you do it? Because there's, you just kind of kind of take, take, control of the narrative for the MVP voting. That's kind of how all MVP voting is, but especially in the NBA, I can already see it now because I would assume that Steph and Ja are going to be the starters for the all-star game in the, in the Western conference. It's going to be Ja's first all-star game appearance versus Steph's whatever. Ja's going to take it seriously, knowing Ja's personality and just how younger players take the all-star game versus veteran players say Ja goes out, drops like a 30 burger in the, in the all-star game wins the MVP award. I think NBA, NBA fans, especially those ones that maybe aren't tuned into the Grizzlies and just the, the general NBA uh, news as a whole kind of get their first real taste of John ja Morant as a star among the rest of the stars. And I think from there on out, if he can take control of the narrative from that point out, I think he's got a real good chance. Uh, I think we're definitely talking about him and Steph at the end of the year uh, and a lot closer race, but we'll see how that goes. Awesome stuff there. Uh, we'll get and you better the- bet. We're going to talk about it a whole lot. Absolutely. He will not be off of our minds and off of the docket. Uh, We will get into some breaking news of today as the MLB lockout finally has some updates, not great updates, but some updates. Uh, The owners and players association finally were reported to be meeting this week. That happened today. uh, If you're listening to this yesterday and Jeff Passan uh, has reported that the offer from the owners was not well received by the players. Uh, So at this point we're inching closer to a, a scenario where games might not get played, at least the spring training might get uh, pushed back or delayed. Um, things have happened. Coaches have been hired. That's about the only real news, but I wanted to get your take, Dylan. Uh, updated thoughts on the lockout, any big reactions to the news coming for baseball today? And then the big question, do you think we're going to end up missing games because of the lockout? Um, I think I, I'll stick with what I said right when this happened. This sucks. I, I thought – Coming out of last season, uh, the baseball had a lot of momentum, and this offseason had a lot of chances to create big storylines, big news, and baseball just decided to be fickle about it and be like, oh, we got to add this lockout, and they've literally, like, done nothing. Like, even with the news today, it's it's really nothing. It's the the owners presented something to the players, and the players are like, yeah, we're good, and that, that just sucks. I, I don't want baseball – to screw itself over and out of a lot of momentum, which I really, really do think they had like the best stories that I've seen are Shohei Otani got the cover of GQ 
I, I think I honestly like that's I think that's good news for baseball. Like Shohei is a guy that can really be an international star, and he should be. And they need to continue to push that. I guarantee it's not baseball doing that. It's whoever's managing Shohei is doing a great job there. Um, and then Harrison Bader. I don't know if you saw this, but I I've seen all about this with Harrison Bader because following St. Louis Cardinals so closely. Um, in the last week, obviously Harrison Bader cannot work out uh, with the Cardinals because team activities are paused due to the lockout. But Harrison is in uh, St. Louis because obviously St. Louis Cardinal calls it home now. Uh, local schools in St. Louis are obviously dealing with COVID as are local schools everywhere. Uh, they were without a PE teacher the other day and Harrison Bader stepped up to substitute teach PE. And I was like, this might be the best story out of baseball this off season. I was like, it's, it's just been like crappy news after crappy news. It's like, we're not going to get games. What's going on. Uh, the players and owners aren't going to talk like nothing good is happening. And then we've got uh, a story out of St. Louis where Harrison Bader is stepping up in a time of need for an elementary school in St. Charles to go be a substitute PE teacher. Like it's just really, really cool uh, that he did that. And I, I think it's a bright spot. And again, I think it gives maybe people like St. Louis is a place where if you live in St. Louis, you're a Cardinals fan, you like baseball, but maybe if someone's not like, Hey, Harrison Bader, that guy, that's a good fella. I like that instantly creates a fan. It gives a little momentum, which baseball needs. They need likable faces and stuff. And that creates it instantly. And I was really, really, really cool to see Harrison Bader do that. As far as do I think games can canceled real games? I don't know. They'll probably be pushed back. I, I think spring training is going to be affected. I really do. That, that, that sucks. I, I I don't want to see it be affected, but it's not looking great because it's January 13th as we talk. And spring training, all the stuff usually starts in late February where pitchers and catchers report. So we're getting awfully close, and there's not a whole lot of momentum to get in there. I mean, things could change, uh, but – the, these rich guys, the owners, obviously are pretty stuck in their ways. And the players, it really seem like, are trying to make a change. Uh, so I don't know. I Things aren't looking great, but you never know. The love of the game might come through. Who knows? It might be – we might get a Hail Mary and everything goes right, but there are no Hail Marys in baseball, so I don't know. Yeah, if you're listening to this the day this releases, it is January 14th. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report February 14th. So you're officially a month away if you're listening to this, the day this releases. And the latest update we've gotten is a bad update. It's just we don't we don't have any – we're not anywhere closer to an agreement. So uh, I, maybe I was a bit naive, but I thought, you know, with the momentum, like you said, we've been talking about the momentum that MLB has been having. And we I, – I just kind of hoped – that the some of the finer details that they needed to iron out had already been discussed and they were just going to kind of, you know, once the soft deadline came up, that they were kind of going to be able to, uh, you know, pick up the negotiations pretty quickly and have like a general agreement going into, you know, February. Um, I think this meeting just pushed me to the side of like, I think we are going to miss a few games at this point because, you know, we're just way too close to spring training starting up. We're way too, you know, that's already going to start pushing back some of the, you know, uh, the progression and the uh, off season training stuff that they do. And the, you know, uh, that stuff is very important to a lot of those guys. And when you're discussing, you know, a lockout like this, so a lot of it comes down to, you know, how they're treating the players. And if you're, uh, already going to have to you know 
part of that lockout make part of it be, you know, the shortening, shortening of spring training and putting players back into, you know, real games quicker than they need to be. That's going to make negotiations even harder because, you know, they want that spring training. You need to be able to have that time to ramp up in baseball to avoid injuries. And uh, they're not going to want to do that. So we're going to, unless something drastically happens, I'm on the side of like, I think we're going to miss games at this point, which I don't want to see. I was on, I'm right there with you. I I'm excited for baseball this year. I think this has the potential to be a, a renaissance year for baseball with the, the stars that they have uh, the, the teams that are supposed to be good next year. And, uh, just the, the amount of star power that they have. But like you said, you know, like the nitty gritty stuff has to be taken care of. That money stuff is just, you know, it, it, it and until we get any closer on that, uh, we can't even get into the fun stuff of negotiating. Like what we talked about, like the pitch clock and that stuff, that, that stuff is way off in the distance because we can't even get, you know, the money in a, in a good, you know, that's, I think the final point that I'll make is like, how are we supposed to do this right now when baseball is at probably its best point in a while, you know, they haven't been in a good spot in a long time. And this is, they're definitely on the upswing, you know, regardless on who you talk to, this was one of their better seasons, even with all the weird stuff that they did, you know, and that's, uh, so the fact that they can't get this stuff ironed out is just the, the sign of the old baseball minds just need to get out of the way and just, you know, figure this stuff out so we can get back to the the fun stuff that makes baseball that can put baseball back on the map. Like we thought we were doing, like we thought that the, the MLB was at least trying to do, but it doesn't seem like it right now. So uh, I, I'm hoping for better news, but uh, we will be following that uh, definitely more closely as spring training is supposed to start and baseball stuff is supposed to start. And we'll have to figure that stuff out. We will move on to this week in sports. Uh, and this week in sports has us around all the coaching news in the NFL, just a list of all of the NFL head coaching vacancies right now. Today, the Texans fired David Culley. Uh, earlier in the week, the Giants fired Joe Judge. The Dolphins fired Brian Flores. The Vikings fired Mike Zimmer. The Bears fired Matt Nagy. The Broncos fired Vic, Vic Fangio. And of course, the Raiders and Jags fired Gruden and Urban Meyer. So Dylan, your biggest surprise, uh, we are going to go over the biggest surprises of the coaching news, what jobs interest us the most, and who do you think the top candidates to fill some of these vacancies are. Uh, Dylan, what do you think about that? So I, I'm going to start uh, with saying that the Texans news absolutely shocked me. I did not expect We talked about it yesterday, or two days ago now on the um, NFL roundtable that uh, all the jobs opening up, we, we talked about quite a few uh, – and the Texans job had not been open yet. David Cooley still had a job until today, as we see it in the record on Thursday. David Cooley got fired by the Texans today, and I think that is absurd. He got put in maybe the worst position out of anyone in the NFL this year. Like Dan Campbell had tough sledding, but Dan Campbell had his whole team. Uh, he didn't have a quarterback with a massive contract, just not allowed to play. Uh, David Cooley had to overcome everything with the Deshaun Watson situation. He had to overcome players like just leaving Houston left and right. Their best defensive player just got cut halfway through the season and came to the Titans. And like that, that's hard to deal with. He won. He, I mean, he got fired for winning that. I think that's what it came down to. He got it. He had a team that should not have won many games. That team probably should have got the number one pick and they didn't, they went four and 13 or whatever. And Houston didn't like that. 
And there, there's been a lot of stories about Houston management and stuff, which I'm not going to get into. But that, I mean, that it starts to make you think maybe there's something with that 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 it doesn't make sense. It just seems like he was a fall guy for what was going to be a bad season, no matter what. And I don't know. I don't. I, I don't like that. It doesn't. It doesn't sit right with me. It, and David Cooley is going to end up being a guy that's like a trivia answer. And it seems like he really he coached better than he's going to end up just being a trivia answer at the end of the day. It just doesn't seem right. Um, and then the other big things for me out of this coaching news, Brian Flores, I, that just floored me. I, like David Cooley surprised me because I thought he would have more time. Brian Flores was in the same respect, but the dolphins weren't bad. They obviously they had that rush rough start to the season. Then they picked things up. They just weren't a playoff team this year. And I, I think, like I said, on the round table, they're building something special and they just gave up on Flores. Uh, obviously, or as we were learning, there were disagreements between management and Flores on the direction of the team. I think Flores is going to land in one of these jobs, and he's going to thrive wherever he goes. I think that's a good coach. He comes from a good system in New England. And I, I there's a couple of jobs. Like Minnesota is a job that I think a lot of guys could go in and have a lot of really good success with weapons there. Um, and Flores, I think, is definitely one of them. Flores has made it vocal that he wants to go after Deshaun Watson, and if Deshaun can uh, deal with his situation and get back on the field, if Brian Flores can get hooked up with him, especially like in a place like Minnesota or Denver, that is a scary uh, hypothetical because that those are teams that could really get going with an elite quarterback like Deshaun. Um, Las Vegas, we, we talked about it I, last week. Uh, I talked about Vegas is probably the best opening. Because they're a playoff team, and we thought you're right. Uh, he's getting a quick phone call as if it was draft night. But uh, I'll piggyback on some of that. Uh, I think the Raiders are the biggest, the best job for sure. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, especially as a, there's obviously a couple of reasons why they're they're a playoff team this year, and they've got a quarterback of the future. A lot of people slept on Derek Carr for a long time. Uh, but now Derek Carr is getting his flowers from the rest of the NFL. So uh, I think obviously the Raiders, a uh, very solid job to be out there, but I'll throw it back to you. Yeah. I, everything you just said, and with all the stuff that uh, Las Vegas had to deal with this year, they were able to overcome all the distractions and make the playoffs. And what has to be considered one of the hardest divisions in football with Kansas city, uh, the chargers, obviously Oak or Las Vegas. And then Denver was not bad at all. And they had Teddy Bridgewater who no disrespect to Teddy. He's not on the same level as those other quarterbacks in that division. And then drew Locke at the end of the season after Teddy got hurt. Um, that's a really, really good division. And they were able to overcome all the things that happened in Vegas and make the playoffs, which is just so impressive. Uh, so that job, whoever uh, Mark Davis wants to go out and hire, I think should be jumping at that job. And then uh, the the one other job I wanted to talk about was New York. That Joe Judge, from the time he got hired, I wish I could find the text messages. Because I was like, why in the world did the New York Giants hire Joe Judge? I was like, who is that? I, I had no idea. He was a special teams coordinator in New England. Like, I fully understand, like, wanting, like, Patriots people in your organization. Because, obviously, they've built just a dynasty of winning. But the special teams coordinator, like, no disrespect to special teams coordinators. But, like, I, like when you're a head coach of an NFL team, like you want most of the like, head coaching experience, like that would be ideal or like you're on that track. I, I don't know. It's, it just seems so odd when he got hired. And it, it, again, it's no disrespect to Joe judge, but it just that it's New York. 
Like, it seems like New York should be going out and getting big names. And Joe Judge was not a big name at all when he got hired. And he's a big name now for different reasons, which is sad because it feels like he lost his opportunity. And I, I hope he can uh, get credit behind his name again because it seems like he's a good guy. Um, but the Giants, I feel like they have a really good roster and just things have not gone their way for one way or the other. And if they can get um, just a good coach in there with I, – I, if they can play some modern offense, Joe Judge did not want to play modern offense. If they can get someone in there with an offensive mind, I feel like they could do a lot of really good things. And they just have to get healthy. The, I feel like the Giants are never healthy. So if they can do those things and get a good coach in there, I, I feel like that's a job people be jumping at. And it's the same way with like Chicago. I don't know. We talked about it last week. There's a lot of really good jobs and more jobs opened up this week. It's it's really exciting. And there's it's like a fourth of the league's jobs are open. It's a lot. And I – if there's coaches sitting on the couch right now, they have to be licking their lips at how many just good opportunities are there that they can jump at and uh, get back playing uh, or coaching NFL football. It's going to be an exciting offseason, like I said on uh, the roundtable yesterday, because there's going to be just so many moving parts. Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what I said on the uh, roundtable yesterday, but the Joe Judge saga was so Giants-esque from the moment it started and I'm glad you brought that up because I remember my tweet when they hired the judge I just said who like who is this guy and it's like that's not the reaction you want when you're hiring an NFL coach and I think that was just the Giants kind of trying to be the smartest guys in the room which was like oh the 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 formula nowadays is to hire these bright young minds in the NFL so we're gonna hire one of New England's brightest, youngest minds. And it just did not work out for them. And it obviously wasn't going to work out for them. Uh, and I think once you make those types of hires, you've got to be, I, I, I don't blame an organization for making that kind of hire because it's kind of, you know, a, a, a risk reward, high risk, high reward, but you've got to be able to jump out at the right time. Uh, I think it might've been even a year late on Joe judge. We, we kind of saw the writing on the wall with him. So uh, very, you know, very giants ask, I think a, a solid job that could be out there for sure. Uh, like you said, the Brian Flores stuff was shocking and very lions ask from the, from um, uh, looking at it like as if Brian Flores was Jim Caldwell, because it, there has not been a lot of winning done in Miami. I know obviously historically they were a pretty good franchise, but recently I do not think of the Miami Dolphins as a winning franchise. And Brian Flores made them a winning team two years in a row. That is like, uh, I think some NFL fans can, you know, take that for granted, even especially now with the 18 week season, but it's like being a winning head coach in the NFL is very hard to do. Uh, it's not, not a given for anyone to go out and get a winning record in the NFL. So when you've got a coach that can do it, not only consistently, but make it to the playoffs consistently, and, or at least put yourself in a position to make the playoffs consistently, uh, you've got a guy that's, that's going to be, you know, pretty solid. And I think, you know, Brian Flores was that guy for what we thought was going to be for that guy for Miami. Uh, shocking that he wasn't. I think a lot of teams are going to be lining up to give him another chance because, you know, he didn't do a bad job in Miami. Uh, I think uh, as news has come out, we see it's more just like a fit type thing. It didn't seem like it was just the right, he was the right guy for, you know, Tua in that offense. But we'll see if Brian Flores gets another shot because I think a lot of people were happy with what they saw with him in Miami. Uh, and he's probably going to get another shot. Uh, like I said, Raiders is obviously the top job. Uh, don't sleep on the Broncos is what I said. I think that's also going to be an awesome job. Uh, 
you get the right guy in that job. And I think the, the organization is going to spend a ton of money and they're going to give you all the tools that you need to, to be successful in Denver. So you get the right guy there. Um, and I think it's obvious it's going to work. Uh, it just it, who that guy will be. Uh, Eric Bieniemy has to get a job this time around. It just has to happen. If he doesn't, there's there's something wrong with the NFL hiring process. Um, I'm sure Harbaugh is on the top of a lot of lists for a lot of those fan bases that are looking for a coach. I still think he'll stay at Michigan, but like I said on the roundtable, there's so many good jobs out there right now. I do not blame him for just looking at this point. I, I no head coach can be blamed for looking at some of these jobs because it's such a, there's such a plethora of good jobs. I'll still say Ryan day would absolutely work in Chicago. Uh, and I think that's just like the way that football, the NFL is going to go. These young offensive minds are going to be like prime the prime coaching candidates of the future. And I think Ryan day fits that. I think Nathaniel Hackett of green Bay fits that really well. The way he I've praised Matt LaFleur all year about the way he schemes Devontae Adams open. And I got to give Nathaniel Hackett some credit because he's the offensive co- coordinator for green Bay and doing all of those things. So uh, I think he's going to probably get uh, a, a few calls this off season and probably end up with his own job. Um, but yeah, uh, Josh McDaniels is another name at some point he'll get a job and he'll make it work. So uh, I, I hope he does get some interviews. I have a name just because I would have hired him away from Tennessee. Uh, the last two years are, I guess, two out of three years. Matt LaFleur, Titans offensive coordinator, got the head coaching job in Green Bay. Great for him. It's worked out great success. Good for him. Last year, Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, Tennessee Titans, uh, got the head coaching job in Atlanta. And I thought Atlanta was a lot better this year than they should have. Arthur Smith's a good coach. I think they've, they've, they're going in the right direction. There's just going to be road bumps. They'll probably get rid of Matt Ryan. Blah, blah, blah. I, I think it's a good move. Good piece for Vrabel's coaching tree. Todd Downing, offensive coordinator at Tennessee Titans. Be a real shame if he got a job. But I, I'll whisper it. He had some bad play calling throughout the year. But NFL teams don't listen to that part. I, I think he'd make a great head coach. And then the Titans can get another offensive coordinator who will be another head coach in a few years. And I'd love to see it. And somehow I just know out of all of this, Anthony Lynn is going to get another job somehow, even though he was just fired by the Lions for not being a good enough offensive coordinator for Dan Campbell. I still think he's going to find another job somewhere. That's the worst part of the NFL. They just recycle coaches. It's like, what are we doing? We've got all these exciting young coaches. Like I saw, obviously, again, another bias thing I paid attention to, but Gerard Mayo is a name to watch for the Houston job. And I was like, I'd love that. I was like, he he doesn't have the most experience in the world, but I mean, that's a vol. That's, that's an NFL standout. I mean, give him a chance. I feel like it's a guy that uh, um, players would rally around. He's young. He's obviously going to come in and want to win. He's from the Patriots organization. I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be a lot of fun, but like you said, Anthony Lynn will probably get a job. I, I just, I don't understand. Like Bill O'Brien is getting talked about so much. It's like, what are we doing? It's like Eric Bieniemy is in Kansas City tearing it up. Pair him up with one of these young quarterbacks and let's get rolling. Like, let's have some fun football. I, I just – I don't get it. Like, Cincinnati took a risk, got a young guy in Zach Taylor, and now here they are with what people think. Like, yesterday on the roundtable, it was called the next Kansas City Chiefs. And I, that very well could be what we are seeing. I Like, a couple years ago, Cincinnati was the most boring team on planet Earth. No one wanted to watch the Bengals, and now they're much-watched television. I, like – but people want to hire Anthony Lynn. Mike Zimmer will probably get another job in a couple of years. Like what are, I just don't understand why we want to do this. Like hire the Gerard Mayos, hire the Eric Bienemies, hire these young 
just fun minds that are revolutionizing football and keeping it fun and not making us watch Mike Zimmer or Anthony Lynn football. Again, no disrespect to those guys, but I feel like football's passing them by and that's okay. They've had their time. It's, it's uh, football, football adapts and uh, evolves and it's just part of it. We're, we're going to get these new guys in head coaching jobs. We're going to have some fun. You're hundred percent right. Uh, there is going to be a job filled by Bill O'Brien that Byron Leftwich will be left out of, and I'm I'm going to be mad about it. It's going to be Jacksonville, and that sucks. It's good for me because they're going to suck, but that team should be good. They they have so much talent, and Urban Meyer kept them down, and I, I'm glad they did because it helped the Titans out this year with two easy wins. But I mean, with all the talent they have, they if they got one of those young coaches in there, like I said, like a B enemy or. Um, just literally any Brian Leftwich, get him in there to work with that offense. And oh my goodness, Trevor Lawrence. We talked about Arch Manning. Trevor Lawrence might be the best quarterback prospect ever. And he had to play with Urban Meyer this year. And that just wasn't fair to him. And he he deserves so much better. That Jacksonville team deserves so much better. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I do I despise the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they they just deserve better. They have talent on that team. And they just they deserve better in Jacksonville. And they they're not gonna get it because Shad Khan is going to go hire Bill O'Brien for some reason. I hope not, but I, we, we've watched this NFL coaching carousel for far too long. We know that that's how it's going to happen. We can only hope that a couple of the young coaches will get their shot like Zach Taylor, and we'll see some uh, exciting football, at least in a couple other places. Uh, we will move on finally uh, to our NFL playoff predictions, wild card weekend rolling around. So we figured we would give our predictions uh, for those games coming up. We'll go in chronological order starting. On I have Saturday. to say something really quick. So when you sit, I, I texted you yesterday and asked for a rundown and you said the last thing on there said NFL first round picks. And when I read that, I was like, the draft. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right. I, I've been, it's been a long week, not a lot of sleep. And I was like, okay. And that, when I was sitting down to write my notes today, I was like, oh, the playoffs, that, that makes sense. I just had to share that though. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I didn't even think about that, but when I wrote it, but that's funny. Uh, yeah. NFL playoff predictions, wild card round, first round picks coming your way. Uh, we'll go in chronological order, starting with Saturday. Uh, the first game is the Raiders versus the Bengals. Dylan, what do you think? So we just hyped up both of these teams a lot. Uh, we called the Raiders probably the best job available. The Bengals with what Zach Taylor's done just a few years, making them maybe the next chiefs that like set up. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good game, and I, I think it's exciting for Cincinnati to get to host that first playoff game uh, to start the playoffs this year. I think Cincinnati's going to be buzzing to watch the Bengals. And I, I just think the Bengals are going to be too much for the Raiders. The Bengals have a lot of momentum. I think Joe Burrow is a guy that's just primed for big-time football. He steps up in big-time moments, and this is this is the first – I mean, that Chiefs game kind of had a big game atmosphere. The Chiefs didn't really have to win it, and the Bengals did. So I think this is that first like must win game for Joe Joe Burrow and him and Jamar Chase and all those other receivers, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they're all just going to put on a show. Joe Mixon doesn't get talked about enough because he's really, really good too. And that defense is slept on that. That Cincinnati defense is not bad at all. I, I I think uh, Las Vegas has had a great year, but it's probably going to come to an end at the jungle in uh, Cincinnati. Who do you have in that one? I got the Bengals as well, and I think this is, a, like you said, a great step forward for the franchise. I, I'm not as high as some in the NFL roundtable might have been on the Bengals. I think they're really good. I think they are you know, the future of offensive football. Uh, I just don't think they're ready this year to make 
maybe like a conference championship run, like some of some at least one person said yesterday. Uh, I think they'll get past the Raiders, but I think that's like the first step. They win a playoff game and they get that off the, the, the back of their franchise. It was how many years in a row they didn't win a playoff game under Marvin Lewis. I mean, it was so many years. This is, I think, the year they make that step, they win that game, and they, they get that monkey off their back and they become just on the next level of franchise as they move forward in the future. No one alive has sent a text message and said, man, did you see the Bengals win that playoff game? (laughs) The first text message was sent in 1992. The last playoff win for the Cincinnati Bengals was in 1991. And yes, I stole that from a Facebook meme that an old man shared. But I I just had to say because it's engraved in my mind now. Uh, well, you can add the Lions to that list because that was the last year that the Lions won a playoff game. So don't worry about that. Uh, too much Cincinnati fans. Uh, we'll move on to the Patriots versus the Bills. This is a stacked day, like weekend of football. Uh, Patriots versus Bills is going to be one of the great rivalry matchups of the playoffs. Who do you like in this one, Dylan? So I think the Bills are the better team, but uh, the weather forecast for this game is a high of nine degrees with a low of one degrees. I think that favors the Patriots a lot. I, I, I know Mac Jones is a Florida boy, but Josh Allen's a California boy. So, I mean, that doesn't really, it kind of equals each other out. Josh Allen does not play great in snow or it might not be snowing cold weather. And that's about as cold as you can get. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of defensive football, which is fine. Buffalo and, New England, they're accustomed to defensive football. I just this just feels like a game that people uh, look at and they're like, oh yeah, Buffalo, that they're just better. They they've got the stars. They've they've got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Like this is this is Buffalo. We we expected them to be here. We're gonna see them next weekend, probably in a matchup with the Chiefs. Like this is this is what we're gonna see. But I, I this just feels like a game that New England goes in as kind of afterthoughts and they walk away with a win. And it feels like Mac Jones' first real like stepping stone in his career which kind of is terrifying because it just feels like the new england empire is just gonna keep on marching but yeah i'm i'm gonna go with new england yeah i i think the easiest pick to make is to pick the patriots when belichick is being written off like he is in this game Uh, especially against the bills i mean the patriots i know the bills everyone thought they were very good i had them very high up on my preseason list this year the Patriots have owned the Bills for as long as I can remember. And basically my entire NFL football watching life, the Patriots and Bill Belichick have owned the Buffalo Bills. And I think, yeah, on a neutral field, everything neutral, uh, the Bills are the better team. The Bills probably win that game. But any variable, like the weather, like you said, and Bill Belichick gives them that advantage. And the fact that it's a playoff game, I mean, Bill Belichick in the playoffs is – probably the hardest coach to pick against in any sport because he just gets it done. Uh, And that's why I'm picking the Patriots. I think they're going to get past the bills just because historically, I don't think the bills can get over that hump of the Patriots. I think it's just too much. uh, And I think they're going to do it again on Saturday. We'll move on to Sunday. Uh, The Eagles play the Buccaneers to start off that Sunday slate of games. Who do you like in that one? So I have to say this before I get into my analysis. In a past life, I think I was a weatherman. I, I think I was a weatherman because I, I pay a lot of attention to the weather, and it, it's it's making a big impact on my picks. Um, for the Eagles-Buccaneers game, I have your forecast, or the projected forecast. Sustained winds of 20 to 30 miles per hour. That's insane. 90% chance of rain in Tampa Bay. 
I yesterday on the roundtable, I picked the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. And uh, today's a new day, and I know the weather for the game this Sunday. I'm picking Philadelphia. I'm gonna I'm gonna get crazy. I Philadelphia is a team. They started running the ball and they started winning games. You can ask our fellow journalist at Tunnel Vision Sports, Blake Beasley. That team got good at running the ball, and they got good. Period. That, that's a hard nosed football team. Nick Sirianni has done a great job. I think uh, Tom Brady in that offense, we've seen struggles when it was clear as day in Tampa Bay against New Orleans. And that was a concern that was brought up in the roundtable yesterday. 20 to 30 mile per hour winds and 90% chance of rain in Florida, that translates to a monsoon. And uh, Tom Brady, we've seen him do it in all kinds of weather. I don't I don't know if we've seen him do it in a monsoon, though. That's, I mean, that's crazy environment. And I just think the team that can run the ball is going to win. I think that's classic football analyst. And I Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts and the just plethora of running backs that they have. They literally put whoever they can put back there running back. I, I think they're going to get it done and shock the world and beat Tom Brady and the boys, not the boys from before in the Super Bowl, but the, a different set of boys in Tampa Bay this time. I'm going to get crazy and go with the Eagles. Who you got? Yeah, I think you, you... – you bring up compelling points. If it was all of that just in a vacuum, I think I would be swayed, but you, you brought it up at the end. It's Tom Brady. And I just, I, I can't go against him, especially in this situation. It's like Belichick against the bills. It's like, do I really think he's he, Brady is going to lose to the Eagles in this situation? Obviously the Patriots did back in the day, but I don't think they're going to, I think Buccaneers are just too good. Uh, even with the weather forecast, uh, although compelling, I, I do think, uh, I do think the Bucks will be able to pull it out. Uh, maybe the most interesting matchup in terms of competitiveness on Sunday, San Francisco taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dylan, who do you like in this one? I think this is a classic Cowboys setup for a fail. I think the Cowboys have so much momentum. They're like, they just blew out the um, Eagles, but they blew out the Eagles backups. Like it, that was not the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles were preparing to go to Tampa Bay and win a football game, like I just said. Um, I think I think uh, Dallas is riding really high, and I really like the Cowboys. We we talked about the Cowboys quite a bit in the offseason uh, before, uh, like before when we were doing our uh, rankings of the teams, and we were both high on the Cowboys. We thought that offense was going to be humming, and it has all season. San Francisco's good, and I think the Cowboys get in their heads every year. They just, they're like, we're the team, we're all this. And they, they're like, we're, I just feel like everyone thinks the Cowboys are just going to run past the 49ers. The 49ers are good. And they showed that on Sunday against uh, the Rams, winning in overtime. My boy Jawan Jennings stepped up. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I'm rooting for the 49ers just a bit because one of my favorite players ever is playing receiver for them in Jawan Jennings. But I, I, I think San Francisco, and I talked about it on the roundtable, they've got that uh, experience. A lot of these players are young. And they were on that Super Bowl team. Jimmy G led them to a Super Bowl. Jimmy G, I don't think Jimmy G is the best quarterback in the league. He's probably not in the top half of best quarterbacks in the league. But he led his team to a Super Bowl. And that, I mean, that's big. That's a big time uh, edge for him and the players on the team believing him. They have a lot of young receivers. And those guys, they, they might not think, oh, all the analytics, blah, 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 that nerds talk about. They're thinking he led us not maybe not us, but this team to the Super Bowl not long ago, and they were really close to winning. And that's a guy guys can rally around, go to Dallas and win a football game. And I think that's going to happen. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G, go to Dallas and beat uh, the Cowboys. And a lot of people will be shocked, but I don't think they should be. Yeah, I think 
the 49ers are becoming the sexy pick right now. I think a lot of people are looking at Dallas and looking at San Francisco, especially the way San Francisco ended their season and thinking as San Francisco is the team. I still got Dallas in this one. I was high on Dallas all year. and I'm going to continue to be high on Dallas. Uh, I, I know what you're saying with the way that franchise is. It just seems like they're bound to be give up a letdown. I just think it, 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 at some point Zeke is going to break out of this funk that he's been in the past few weeks. Uh, and he's only got one more week to really do it at this point. So I think he's going to do it against San Francisco defense. Uh, and I think Dallas excels because of that. I think you get that Dallas team at full strength too. And you, you're going to be, you're going to be seeing how good they are. I think every week up until these past few weeks, it's been one wide receiver, two wide receivers, even three wide receivers have been out with, you know, concussions, COVID, whatever it might be, uh, that Dallas offense at full strength is very scary. And I think some people are overlooking them just because, yeah, they've, they've struggled at times, but get them at full strength and get them humming. I think they're, they're a scary team, and I think people should, should stop overlooking them a little bit. I do like San Francisco. I think it's going to be a very competitive game, but I like Dallas in that one. Uh, Pittsburgh versus Kansas City, maybe a little bit less competitive in this one. What are you, what are you thinking? I don't know. Uh, I wish this game was being played on Saturday if we're looking at weather because this part of the country uh, is about to experience a really nasty snowstorm. Like, I know I'm probably six hours away from Kansas City. We might be getting, like, 10 inches of snow Saturday and Sunday, and that's going to hit Kansas City on Saturday. So if this game was in Kansas City on Saturday, would be very, very interesting and uh, kind of more to talk about. Uh, But on Sunday in Kansas City, 34 degrees, 27 of a low. That's a pretty day for football, especially playoff football for the Steelers and Chiefs. Um, the I really want to pick the Steelers, but I, I cannot convince myself to do it. The Chiefs in January or in December or in February are really hard to beat when they've got Patrick Mahomes under center. So I I guess Patrick Mahomes is going to send Big Ben off into the sunset or take him behind the barn, treat him like old yeller. Either, either one you want to go with. Probably send him off to the sunsets a little nicer, but some people might want – Mahomes to take him out back. I don't know. It's however you feel about Big Ben. But yeah, I we saw these two teams play not long ago and it was not pretty. So uh probably a similar result. Maybe the maybe the Steelers keep it a little closer. It's hard to bet against the Steelers in the playoffs. Mike Tomlin and Big Ben have so much experience, but TikTok boy Juju practice today. We don't know if he's gonna play, but I just I don't know if it would matter. I the the Chiefs are so good and they I'd really like someone to beat them before the Titans have to play them, but we'll see. I, I I've got I've got Kansas City in this one. I think it's usually pretty dangerous when like a quarterback or really any player like thinks their season's going to be over and then it kind of abruptly isn't. Like kind of like how Rutgers like their their bowl season was over and then it wasn't. So then they got to kind of ramp back up. I think that's Ben Roethlisberger, but with his career, I think he expected to be retired right now. And now all of a sudden he's like, Oh crap, I've got to play a playoff game. And you, you heard him in the press conference this week say, we really don't have a chance. I think that's where Ben's at. And that's why I think Casey really doesn't need to really even try at this point, because I, I, I think big Ben is checked out at this point. Uh, not that he's not going to try. Not that he's not going to give it his all. Uh, it's going to be probably his last game in a, in a Steelers uniform and in an NFL in an NFL game. I just think, like Big Ben said, they're outmatched. They're, there's just too many mismatches on that field that day. Uh, the future of Pittsburgh is, is something should be a little bit brighter, but uh, it's time to move on from Big Ben. This will be a 
perhaps maybe a morbid funeral for him at this at this point. Uh, we'll move on to the last game, the Monday game, and I think maybe the most interesting first-round matchup, the L.A. Rams versus the Arizona Cardinals. Dylan, who do you like on that? This is I, – I agree. I think it's the most interesting matchup. And I, I just want to say this. I hate that it's on Monday night. I don't think it's fair. This is the playoffs. We're not in the regular season anymore. Just let them play on Saturday or Sunday. I, It's going to – whichever team wins, and both those teams are good, it's going to give them one less day to be prepared for whoever they're going to play in the second round. And I, I don't like that at all. Um, I think this game is really a toss-up. I, I think the Rams have the advantage because – the Cardinals have kind of fluttered here at the end. I'm, about, I'm fluttered. I mean, they're still really good. Um, I just they're they're still young. I I just I don't know. I don't think it's their time yet. The Rams, for um, as weird as it's been with people coming in and out and the the scenery changing there with new star players, it seems uh, they still have so much experience. Kind of in the vein of what I talked about with San Francisco. Sean McVay's led that team to a Super Bowl. Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald have been to a Super Bowl, and I think that's going to come in time, uh, into effect big time. And uh, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury just quite aren't there yet. They're, they're getting there, and we've seen that over the past two years with how good they've been in the regular season. But playoffs are a different monster. And, uh, yeah, Matt Stafford doesn't have the experience, same as Kyler Murray, but Matt Stafford's been in this league for a long time, and he's got the supporting cast around him that has been there. And I think that that makes all the difference in the world. So I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think that Rams team is just too stacked at this point. And I think you you brought up all the good points. I think a little bit higher of Matthew Stafford than I do of Kyler Murray. I think a little bit higher uh, of Sean McVay than I do of Cliff Kingsbury. I think the Rams are just like a step in front of where the Cardinals are. They're very similar franchises. They're just like one step ahead. And I think that's going to be the difference here. I think Stafford and the Rams get it done. It'll be a close one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot, probably very high scoring, uh, but I think the Rams end up getting it done and moving forward. Uh, that'll do it. That's going to wrap it up for us. Any final thoughts, Dylan, before we uh, get wrapped up here? Yes. I want to bring attention to something. And I, I knew I had to talk about this, but I didn't know when. And like when we were starting, I was like, I'm not starting the show this. I'm ending it. Um, I, w- I want to draw, like, attention to the great war of Murray State and Auburn on Twitter ending. And a lot of people probably don't know about this, but uh, a few months – or last month, Murray State played Auburn in basketball. It was a good game. Auburn won by double digits, as they should. Auburn is probably the best team in the country right now. They're really, really good. And uh, Murray State tweeted out the final score, as teams do. That I mean, that's what happens when, when you play a basketball game. And Auburn – if you're not familiar with Auburn Twitter, they they like to troll, and they flooded the replies of that tweet with just meme after meme, like, your team just lost to Bruce Pearl, your team just lost to Jabari Smith, all that. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you're in touch with the Twitter sphere. Um, whoever runs Murray State's uh, basketball account did not like it, so they decided to delete the tweet, and that enraged Auburn Twitter. So for the past month, Auburn Twitter has just brought waves of memes and trolls to every single Murray State tweet. I mean, every single one of them. And it's just been like just constant. And it's like, okay, Auburn's just going to do this for the rest of the time. 
like when Murray State joined the Missouri Valley Conference, like a historic day in our program's history, it was just flooded with Auburn. It's like, what is going on? Like Missouri Valley fans are like, is Murray State and Auburn like this rivalry? Like what's going on? And we're like, we don't know what's going on. Uh, but last night, Tevin Brown, our star player, tweeted out the final score of the Murray State Auburn game a, a month later and said, let, let this be over. And Auburn's Twitter graciously agreed. And now there's like this uh, like pact between Murray State and Auburn. And Auburn's decided they're going to root for Murray State for the rest of the season. They consider Tevin Brown their captain. I, it's been a bizarre day on Twitter. And I, I guess I support Auburn now. I, I'm okay with it because they're a really fun team to watch. It's been a really cool thing to watch unravel on the internet. But yeah, I something that I did not expect for Tevin Brown to be ca- uh, crowned the king of Auburn Twitter. So uh, that was really cool to see. But yeah, uh, they said they're going to go in full force on last night's uh, Murray State-Tennessee State game, uh, if you're listening on Friday. So go check out those tweets because Auburn Auburn Twitter said they're going to go in full force. So we'll see. Um, excited for the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. A lot of good college basketball too. Uh, kind of alluded to that with the Mercy Auburn stuff. A lot, of, lots of good college basketball coming up. Uh, NFL playoffs, fun stuff. Hopefully, the MLB players and owners get their stuff together. Maybe like I don't know, like they send a text to each other. Just get a group message and start like texting each other and be like, "Hey, let's play some baseball." And they just agree and we get baseball started on time. Uh, but yeah, great show. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. I'm done. Hey. <laughs> uh- I hope that gives just a little inspiration to the people that run the Arizona Cardinals Twitter account to finally tweet the score of the Lions game, because I, I still believe they haven't done that. And I think, you know, if, if Tevin Brown and Murray state can own up to it, the Arizona Cardinals can as well. Uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan Dylan show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan show. You can find tunnel vision sports on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports on Instagram at under at tunnel vision sports, underscore Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week, and we will see you all next week. Have a good one.